You're listening to The Journey Podcast. In this episode, we meet an amazing self-defense coach who shares her traumatic personal journey and how she empowers women through self-defense. Some listeners may be triggered by this content and listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Petra Brunbauer and with decades of experience with sadness, pain, anxiety and stress, I finally figured out how to leave all that behind. And this podcast shows you how to break free permanently so you can reclaim your sanity and find the self-esteem and energy to go after the life you desire. With real talk about mental health, holistic healing, and the tough journey of coming out the other end, this is The Journey Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. Self-defense might not be the first thing you think about when it comes to mental well-being, in fact, the sometimes violent and combative context of martial arts might make you think quite the opposite. But could you use self-defense to feel stronger, more confident, and foster your well-being? Leslie Liu has been incorporating self-defense into her healing practice for many years, and she helps her clients heal from trauma through her unique way of teaching. Trauma-informed self-defense teachers are quite rare, and Leslie is passionate about providing a safe and supportive space for her students. Whether you're healing from trauma or want to feel more confident in physically defending yourself, Leslie's unique approach could offer a way to start your healing journey. Leslie is the founder of Reclaiming Your Courage, a trauma-informed self-defense coach, international best-selling author and speaker. She values love, courage, and community. Her mission is to save the lives of women and allies globally. Leslie is a second-generation Korean and Chinese-American, San Francisco native, mother of two, and wife. She's a two-time black belt and has been a martial artist for over 20 years. Leslie empowers purpose-driven women to ignite their strength through their mind, body, and voice. At the start of the pandemic, Leslie was deeply impacted by the rise of anti-Asian hate crimes, and she has dedicated her life to stopping Asian hate and strengthening her community by helping Asian women find their voice and not fall victim to being perceived as easy prey. She is an ally to the BIPOC, LGBTQIA+, neurodivergent, and differently abled communities. Without further ado... Here's my interview with Leslie Liu. Hi, Leslie. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. I've been looking forward to getting to chat with you because self-defense is such an interesting topic for holistic healing, and that's what we'll dive into today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Petra. I am fired up to be here. Yes, me too, because this is a topic that I never really associated with mental well-being or holistic healing, so I am so curious to learn more. Do you want to share a little bit about your own backstory and what you've sort of lived through and your own experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I identify as a second generation Korean and Chinese American. I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I can really segment this into four pivotal moments in my life. 
And I will illustrate that the first time I ever lost my voice was I was a girl that was eight years old at the bus stop and just listening to my 80s music on my beautiful Sony yellow Walkman. And that was the first experience I had in really kind of the meanness and the bullying that kind of has gone on. And I remember three distinct young girls that came up to me and spat in my face and told me that I'd never be loved. And just every kind of mean comment that one could make about, you know, my weight and my appearance. And they threw my Walkman on the ground and crushed it. And I just remember you know, biting my tongue and crying and going home. And my mom knew something was wrong. And so I finally told her the story. And she said, that's it. I'm signing you up for Taekwondo camp. So that was the summer that really started my journey in martial arts. I hated martial arts. But fast forward six months later, my mom said, look, I need you to be stronger. And I need you to beat the shit out of these girls. And so six months later, that experience happened again. And there was something so visceral about being bullied and put in a corner that my mom really taught me to advocate for myself. And I ended up kicking those girls in their gut. And that was that. That was like my first kind of experience in standing up for myself. And then a couple years after that, my mom thought it was very important for me to be connected to my Korean culture. So she actually sent me on a trip to South Korea one summer. And that really was a turning point in my life because on a family camping trip, my cousin's friend at the time sexually assaulted me in a vehicle. And I never told anyone in my family what had happened, nor did I know how that was going to impact my spirit and my mental health for decades of my life after that. But there was something about feeling like my family was going to kind of like do some trauma Olympics with me and say, oh, well, I've been through so much worse and kind of the programming that went on into that. And then I'm going to fast forward to in my young adulthood, being held at gunpoint for the first time, having a gun pointed at me and having a hand gripped around my throat. And I remember mentally my brain just saying like, I just can't believe that this is happening. And I froze and I didn't fight for myself. And, you know, later on in life, in my 30s, when I was finally establishing a career for myself, I worked in a luxury brand hotel in downtown San Francisco. And I like to call it The Devil Wears Hermes. It's very much like that movie. I was an assistant to a woman who was a prominent Asian American leader. And I just remember so many moments of being gaslit and verbally abused by her. And I remember one day when I didn't do something the way that she wanted it to be done, she sat me down and she drew a bell curve. And she said, some people are just up here and a lot more bright. And I'm pretty sure you're down here, you know, and you're pretty slow and dumb. And that time period is when I understood the cost of suppression. And because I didn't speak up in the moment, I got sick. I had a doctor really tell me, you have an ulcer. And if you don't really manage your emotions and your mental health and this depression and this anxiety that you're going through, you know, you will bleed out. (laughs) You will, you know, there's just so many that my immune system started getting compromised. There's so many things. And 
that was the first time in my life someone ever told me this whole programming of you not fighting up, you know, not managing things in a healthy way or talking about it or processing it actually can cost you your health and your spirit. So that's a little bit about my story. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Leslie. And as I'm listening to you, I still am in complete shock and hearing what happened to you, the things that you have been through and the way that it is like that for so many minorities, for so many migrants and immigrants that come to countries that consider themselves by you know all accounts very open and democratic. And it still shocks me to hear you talk about that so many years later. And as you and I talked about before this interview, that I didn't have that same experience that you had. I had a very much white and privileged upbringing, and I had a very different experience in my childhood. And to really listen to your story and to understand and learn about what happened to me is, is one of the you know greatest gifts that I, I can learn that and I can become more aware of that. And so thank you so much for sharing that and for being so brave and strong and putting your story out there. I really, really appreciate you and appreciate that you're here today. And how did your experience that you went through in all those years, how did that connect you with the work that you're doing today? Yeah, thank you. I think that really, really concentrating on my overcoming my intergenerational trauma was really important to me, even before I became a mother. I have two children under five now, and there is something about becoming a mother that really makes you evaluate the mother that you want to become. But far before that, I was teaching self-defense in a traditional environment. So would do these wonderful workshops with women at a self-defense studio, so to speak, with two other powerful women, you know, like what to do if someone grabs you by the wrist and kind of this traditional view that people have. And I noticed that there were always women in the class who seemed trapped. And what I mean by that is I think sometimes in gym environments, and they're great. I grew up in gym environments and traditional martial arts environments. And there's people who get very excited about it right away. And, you know, it just really flows. And there's also this element of it's very male dominated and sometimes the way that people encourage women who are trying to overcome learning technique is, you know, yelling at them or kind of giving them this tough love. So mm -hmm. I kind of took a step back and really could identify with these women because I was them. I am them. And so really trying to focus on a self-defense mindset and creating a safe space for them and asking them questions about what's the story of how you got here? What's happening for you right now? Was so incredibly heartfelt for me because these women really trusted me with, you know, their upbringing, perhaps the way that their inner critic was ruling their lives. Perhaps it was a toxic family member. Perhaps it was not being able to speak up for themselves in the workplace. And so really trying to build a relationship with them that was about safety, identity, consent, and co-creating something with them rather than pushing my agenda towards them, 
and helping them with the framework of speaking up, right? Understanding that self-defense was more than just the physical really, really catapulted my work because I now understood that I had a system of helping them connect their mind, their body, and their voice. And once I was able to support them in that, these women came out like bats out of hell, like like just move mountains. They were a lot more quicker and efficient in their movement. They were a lot more powerful in hearing their own voices, in managing distance with their voice. And that's how I knew that I could really devote my life to this mission of saving women's lives. By doing this work, I will kind of end by saying what really propelled my work was I started my business at the time that Asian hate crimes were skyrocketing. And so I literally could not sleep at night hearing these stories of women who wanted to protect their children, who wanted to protect their mothers. So from a mental health perspective, really, really helping women develop a mindset around they're not alone and that they're worth defending just became my life's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that work that you do, you actually have a very unique approach. And you told me that you focus on self-defense in a trauma-informed way. So what inspired you to go down that route and actually not just teach regular self-defense to women, but actually a self-defense that's trauma-informed in its own way? Yeah, amazing question. I think that I always have a love for self-defense and martial arts, no matter what, and those things are foundational. But what I realized really quickly is that as someone who has survived trauma in different forms, I realized that there were not a lot of spaces that allowed victims or the unheard or the traditionally marginalized and underrepresented. And I'm speaking to women of color. I'm speaking to the trans community, the neurodivergent community, <laughs> the disabled community. I realized that there was not a lot of safe spaces for them. And that was a problem to me. And that's why I really chose to go the route that I did because it was about making self-defense accessible to people. And sometimes accessible is helping you with your mindset and your voice because you don't want to, you know, do anything physical. So I don't focus on the physical and I don't like to throw anyone in a situation of just doing the physical because I find that that could be really triggering mm -hmm. for a lot of people. So I want to understand who someone is, how they identify, what's their cultural identity, who do they love, who do they fight for, because that's going to help them beyond kicking the pad. I don't really care about you kicking the pad. I care about who's behind the pad and who you want to go home to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm getting really curious and I'm wondering what a trauma-informed self-defense session would look like with you. So as a listener, like what could we imagine that a session looks like if we came to work with you? Ah, I love this question. I think it's the million dollar question people always want <laughs> yeah. to know. It is one that is based off of what I mentioned earlier, identity, consent, and co-creation. It really is me as your coach asking you a lot of heartfelt questions. How do you identify? How does the way that you identify 
intersect with the way that potential attackers physically and non-physically perceive you. And that looks different for everyone. For me, it is, I am an Asian American woman. I am perceived as easy prey. I am perceived as a hyper-sexualized being. I am perceived as someone who carries cash. So the threats are very real for me. And I needed to be able to help others create a space around how that impacts their mental health. So you will get a lot of me asking you questions, really. And then secondly, consent. I am constantly asking my clients and the people I work with around, you know, you know, I don't have your trust. Here's how I'd like to. Here's what I would like to show you. Do I have permission around, you know, like, can I, how do you feel about physical touch? Mm -hmm. Or would you prefer that, you know, we keep our distance and I can demonstrate something for you? right? It's always bringing it back to my client and understanding that moment to moment, they might be feeling something else. And then the third piece that's really important to me is co-creating. So I can come to you and say, here's some things that we can really work on, you know, situational awareness, how to really create awareness in your body, how to use leverage over strength. But you know, what is important to you today? And I don't think that there are a lot of self-defense spaces that ask that because there's not a lot of room for it because it is this traditional environment of like poke the person in the eyes, like here's the techniques we have to learn. And that's great, but that's not all that there is. And that is not enough to keep you rooted in a situation, especially when your nervous system is involved. So I spend a lot of time really trying to create a space where you have an active role in these are the situations that make me feel most vulnerable. And so for some people, they don't feel physically unsafe. It's really more of the gaslighting, being in a relationship with a narcissist that is important to their mental health. But then for others, it might be, no, I have actually been physically attacked. And so I really want to use this time to focus on this. And so, yeah, really empowering people to make a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really powerful. And I love how you're creating this really safe space for women to come and work with you and to really just meet them where they are and help them move forward from there. And we talk a lot about mental well-being on this podcast, obviously. And I was wondering, what kind of things do you see after you work with people in terms of how does it help their mental well-being? Does it make them stronger? Does it make them feel more comfortable? Does it help your clients process trauma, for example, and bring healing? What kind of things do you observe when you work with your clients? Yeah, amazing question. I observe so much. I observe energetically what happens is when they have this mind-body connection there is healing, right? Like this is a form of healing. I am not, you know, I'm not misleading anyone in saying that I am this therapist or whatnot, but I see my clients give themselves permission to go from feeling so small to maybe it is just better about vocalizing a boundary. Maybe it is better about, you know, evaluating a relationship. Maybe it is them actually going after that job or that raise to say their worth. Like I see and I hear so much and I see them go from, I don't feel strong. So I am just going to submit and surrender 
And that is very powerful for someone to tell me, I don't feel strong, that I actually might I just surrender to an attack, to no, I can do this. I can and I will. And I will fight back. And I've had clients come back to me and it trickles into so many areas of their life to be able to talk back to the person who's very aggressive to them on the street. So I see so many women light up to go from a really, really dark, isolated place to a more calming light. And I go from not having confidence and people telling me like, I don't really know if I would fight, flight or freeze. I don't know. To working with me and saying like, no, Leslie, like, I know I can't, like, I can do this. Like I can get back, you know, I can get back home to my loved ones. It's not about anything fancier than movies. And I think that's what I love observing. I love holding up a mirror to someone because I see it and I see those sparks. And then the moment when I, they see the spark is the most like gratifying thing I could ever see for mothers to come to me and say like, I'm stronger now and I can show my kids that I can be strong and that I can overcome these things. And to me, it's about breaking the patterns of trauma. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what would you say to someone who doesn't feel strong at the moment, who doesn't feel like they could even defend themselves or help themselves? What would you say to them? You are not alone. You are worth fighting for because you are enough. And It is about you taking micro steps to raising your frequency so that your allies can find you. You don't need a savior. You just need allies. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I really hope that by getting to know you a little bit today and the work that you do, that we are creating friends and allies on this podcast too, and that we all come together in a way, you know, and kind of work on this together. That would be amazing. Yeah, Petra, I am just so humbled and I'm so grateful for my time and getting to know you and develop this friendship because I'm really aligned with our values and supporting people in their mental health. And I think it's amazing that you're amplifying the voices of so many people. And, you know, just in the short time that we've known each other, I just, I really value your allyship because you've really just kind of come to me and it's so big for you to say like, well, I didn't have that experience, but I'd like to learn what that's like for you and how I can help. Thank you so much for saying that. And I really appreciate that you come and share because that is the other part that people very often keep silent when they have experiences that were negative and traumatizing because they're afraid or they're ashamed. And, and we really do need to talk about that and we do need to shine a light on that. That's the only way that we'll move forward everything. So I really appreciate everything that you've talked about today. And do you maybe want to go over some of your programs and services so that if listeners feel aligned and they want to work with you, that they know kind of what that would look like and how they could connect? Yes. If you head over to my website, reclaimingyourcourage.com, there's a couple of ways people that can work with me. I do work around personal and community safety this heartfelt discussions around allyship, really helping people in vocalizing their boundaries. And so if that resonates with you, I usually invite people into, you know, a complimentary 15 minute heart to heart conversation, where we kind of have a conversation like we did today, Petra, where it's like, 
this is a really a no pressure, no salesy thing. Like I want to understand what it is that you are struggling with. And perhaps if I can support you with my programs, I have a woman warrior uprising program. So I work with people in person and virtually and several times a year, I do group retreats for women. So there's a lot of ways people can engage with my work. So yeah, the first step is I would invite you to schedule that 15-minute heart-to-heart. And then the other thing that I have provided a link to is just a free gift around a training video that I did. It's real short, 12 minutes, and it's called Practical Street Defense Basics. If you don't feel strong or you have no idea how you would even begin to defend yourself, that is a good start of really understanding, okay, well, how can I actually use and maneuver my body and when I'm feeling overpowered? Amazing. Thank you so much for offering that to our listeners. And we will be linking to all of Leslie's offerings in the show notes as well. So be sure to check there for how you can connect with her directly. And this has been another incredible episode. And I really hope our listeners have enjoyed this journey into self-defense as much as I have. Because before meeting Leslie, I really did not know anything about how mental well-being and self-defense come together for such an amazing way to heal and to become stronger. And it just has been fantastic chatting with you on the podcast, Leslie. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Petra. It was great to meet you and keep up all this amazing work that you do. It is so, so important. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen in. If you enjoy the Journey podcast, please subscribe, share on social media and leave us a review. And be sure to get your copy of our brand new ebook called Break Free. Sending you love and courage and see you next week. Until then, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and The Journey blog.